Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Carrick Butler. I lead Faith Christian Center right here in Austell, Georgia. Thank you for tuning in today. I believe today's message is going to equip you and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. As you listen, something good is going to happen to you. So listen up to the message, apply it, and I'll talk to you after today's message. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Tonight we'll be ministering on how to effectively pray for your children. How to effectively pray for your children. Now, if you don't have any kids, store this away because you're going to need it when you have kids. And this applies whether your kids are newborns or adults. This applies to praying for your grandkids, your godkids, any children in your charge as well. As always, you can get these notes from the Bible app. You can download from the live event section and follow along with me. Make sure you subscribe to the Faith Podcast so you can get this message for free as well. So in order to pray effectively for our children, we must understand what they are up against. In order to pray effectively for our children, we must understand what they are up against. A lot of times, parents take the mentality, well, kids go through the same thing that I went through. And that's not true. And that's not even biblically accurate. How do I know that? First John chapter 2, verse 18. It says, little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Look at First John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits where they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world." You are of God, little children, have overcome them who, the spirits of Antichrist, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The last days began during the times of Jesus. There is a sliver of time at the conclusion of the last days that is referred to as the end of days, the time of the end, or the end time. We are living in the end time. In preparation for the appearing of the Antichrist, Satan releases demons with the assignment to prepare the way for the Antichrist's arrival, which means that Satan's agenda is to influence culture to the point that they will accept the Antichrist. So your children are growing up under this demonic cultural assault. So with every generation, every passing time, more spirits are released to get to that purpose. So even if things were bad when you were growing up, understand Satan has increased the attack. That more assignments have been released so that the world will receive the Antichrist. So don't say, well, I was bullied in school. It didn't affect me that way. No, you may have been bullied in school, but there weren't as many demons involved in when you were going through. Now, even just subject matter alone, there are kids today who deal with more things, know more things by the time they are eight than you did when you were 18. There are conversations you have to have with your children now that you would have never thought of having with kids five years ago at least. But now they have to deal with more and they encounter more. So you must first understand that it's not the same. Because if you take the mentality it's just the same, then you're not going to really feel motivated to pray. You're going to think, oh, they'll be okay. Ah, they'll be all right. And then you won't take the place of prayer you're supposed to. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So remember, you are raising children in the end time. Meaning, God meant for your kids to be here at the end of time. So think of what anointings and callings lie within your kids if God picked for them to be born at the end of things. 
Think about the potential they have. Because think about it this way. Let's say Jesus comes back in the next 7 to 15 years, which means most of the children who are born today, their assignment is for eternity. So whether their assignment is for this earth and Jesus delays, and we all go home by the way of the grave, or whether their assignment is for eternity in the millennial kingdom, God picked your kids to be here for such a time as this. And we have to have that mentality and understanding. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you not be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So before the Antichrist is revealed, there will be a group of people that walked with God or at least went to church that will stop walking with God. People call it the great falling away. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God sits in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. That's something the Antichrist will do midway through the tribulation. Remember ye now that when I was with, yet with you, I told you these things. Don't you remember I taught and preached these things and shared these things when I was with you? And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he will be taken out of the way. The word withholdeth means to restrain, to hinder the course or progress of. The word letteth is the same as withholdeth. So who is holding back the Antichrist? Because Paul is saying as long as this person is here, the Antichrist can't show up. Some old traditionals say, oh, he's talking about the Holy Ghost. Now that's impossible because the main mission of the Holy Ghost is salvation. And when you study the book of Revelation and you study the tribulation, there are billions of people that come to Jesus. And so billions of people come to Jesus, that means the Holy Ghost is still on the earth. So God is not removing the Holy Ghost from the earth. So there's only one option of someone who's being removed. It's the church. So as long as the church is here, the Antichrist can't show up, which means people need to stop guessing who they think the Antichrist is because they're all going to guess wrong. They've been doing it for hundreds of years, and they've all been wrong. The Antichrist can't show up if the church is here. Now, notice if they withholdeth or what they let. So, if by the church's presence alone the Antichrist can't show up, how much less influence will spirits of Antichrist have on the culture if the church prays? The church by its presence alone keeps the Antichrist from showing up. The church, if it's salty, preserves the earth. So, you know, all these movies about the world ending and being destroyed, it can't happen if we're here because we're the preservative of the earth. But how much we see in our lifetime or how much the spirits of Antichrist progress in culture is not up to Satan's agenda or how much the world cooperates with him. It's up to the praying church. So, if the praying church can hold back the spirits of Antichrist, how much more can praying parents protect their children from the Antichrist agenda? So go to Psalm 127. So although this is Satan's play, his attack in the end of time, you can keep it from being effective in your house. Psalm 127. Psalm 127. We'll look at verse 3. It says, Lo, children are heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Children are gifts from God to you and gifts of God to this world. 
your generation and theirs. When God needs something to happen on the earth, people pray and children are born. When Israel needed to be delivered, they cried out, they prayed, and Moses was born. If God wants massive change to happen in the earth, it's also connected with people being risen up. And for those people to get here, they have to be born. So understand that your child, whether they're still in the house, whether they're grown, are a gift from God. Even if they don't act like a gift from God. Even if days they feel like they're a burden from the Lord. Understand they are a gift from God to you and this generation. And if someone gives you a gift, the polite thing is to say thank you. So begin by praying for your child by thanking God for them. Begin praying for your child by thanking God for them. Thank him that he gave them to you. Which means if God gives you this child, that means he has graced you to raise them. So you can't say, oh, I just can't handle these kids. Yes, you are. God picked you to raise them. He gave you the anointing. He gave you the grace that that child needs. That you are supernaturally equipped like no one else to raise that child. To the point that you can think, oh, so-and-so is such a better parent. Of their child they are. But you're supposed to raise your child. Which, a side note on marriage, if you avoid raising your children and put it off on someone else, you're going to cause trouble in your marriage. Because family leadership is needed in the home. But I might get into that on Sunday. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Talk about how to effectively pray for your children. Verse 6. And has raised us, the church, up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We who are believers are seated at the right hand of God in heavenly places. Which means if we're seated with God at his right hand, we share the authority that throne represents. We have authority in the name of Jesus. Philippians 2 says, at that name, every knee must bow. There's no name or authority greater than that name and authority. And when that name and authority is used, everything else must move and bow and get out the way for that name. Matthew 16, verse 16 says, And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say, You are Peter, small rock, and upon this rock of revelation, this large rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You have authority in the name of Jesus to bind and to loose. You have jurisdictional authority over what goes on in your house. You say, well, Satan is running amok in my house. Kick him out. He can only do that because you let him in. But you also have authority to stop the attack of the enemy even if your child has already left the house. While you may not be in the position now to tell them what to do, you still have authority because they're your child. And you can tell the demons what to do. You can tell them to leave them alone. You can take your place in prayer and drive away the enemy's attack. So number one, after you thank God for your child, Number two, use your authority in the name of Jesus and bind every plot that Satan has planned against them. Use your authority in the name of Jesus and bind every plot that Satan has planned against them. This is something you can do every single day. 
So I bind every plot the enemy has against my child. I curse it to fail. You will not be successful against them because no weapon formed against them shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up against them, they condemn in judgment. And it's proven to be in the wrong. Go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. How to effectively pray for your children. Now more than ever, children need the prayers of their parents. We can't be parents who pray occasionally. We have to be praying parents. Ephesians 6 verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. One of the things we looked at in August and in September, how our prayers or the lance of prayer as it's compared to in this passage can strike down long-distance attacks of the enemy. You can stop attacks of the enemy before they ever get to your child in your prayer life. But notice as it's praying in the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 through 15 says, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. There will be things that you know naturally to pray for your children. And there will be things the Spirit knows that you do not. This means you should ask the Holy Spirit what to pray concerning your children. And spend time praying in other tongues for them. So number three is pray about the things you already know your child needs prayer concerning. There's some things you already know that you don't need a great revelation from heaven to tell you to pray for. Pray for those things. Pray about the things you already know your child needs prayer concerning. Number four, consult the Holy Spirit about what to pray concerning for your children. Because after you've prayed for the things you already know need to be handled, there could be some issues out there that you don't know need coverage. And if you don't pray concerning that, no one's going to pray about that. So you take time and ask the Holy Spirit, what should I pray for my child today? What is something I need to focus on in prayer? And listen on the inside for a response. And whatever he tells you to do, that is what you pray. It could be things that don't make sense to you, but pray for it anyways. Number five, spend time praying in the Holy Ghost for your children. Spend time praying in the Holy Ghost for your children. That's praying out mysteries in the perfect will of God. God's will is better than your will for your children. Which means even in prayer and in raising them, make sure you're not putting your will first. Say, well, I want a doctor. I want a preacher. I want a businessman. I want a lawyer. I want a politician. What does God want them to be? That's what you need to see God for is, Father, what do you want my children to be? And after he tells you, that's what you pray. I didn't say you go tell your kids. I said you keep that between you and God. So when your child gets to a point and they come and tell you, I believe God wants me to be this, then you say, yeah, that is what he wants you to be, and we're going to help you become that. But until then, you don't tell them. Let them learn from God on their own. Because when it gets to it and they run into challenges in life, if they think you call them to this field, then they're going to think you're going to be the one who bails them out. And they'll have doubts because I don't know if God really wants me to do this because this is what my parents told me. But if they know from God, they can turn to God and for God to get them out. Because whoever calls you has to equip you and whoever sends you has got to pay for it. So you want to the children to be raised in the will of God. So don't tell them you can grow up and be whoever you want to be, baby. Say, no, you can grow up and become whoever God wants you to be. Because we're raising Christians, not heathens, right? Because we want to raise heathens. You can be whatever you want to be when you grow up. If we're raising believers, you can be whoever God wants you to be. There's nothing too hard for you. If God calls you to be the president, you can be the president. If God calls you to be a billionaire, you can be a billionaire. It doesn't matter what God calls you to do, you can do it. And you encourage them on that point. We want to raise our kids in the will of God. Plus, it's going to save you money. Because if your child can hear the voice of God, grows up, and by the eight, time they're 18, they know exactly what God wants them to do, 
and they go to college to pursue that, you don't have to keep paying if they keep changing majors. So in the long run, it's going to save you money. But we want them to be raised in the will of God. One of the greatest contributions you can make to the kingdom of God is who you raise. We said on Sunday, God is interested in godly people getting together because he desires a godly seed. Because what God wants to do is that the next generation is more anointed than the previous generation. And Satan hates that. That's why he tries to disrupt it. That's why he tries to get in the way of successful families. Because he knows how God does things. That the latter is already greater than the past. That's why he tried to interrupt Elijah to Elisha, but it didn't work. But he got involved with Gehazi because he thought if Elisha got double, what could Gehazi get? And even though Elijah got double, you got to think what, Elijah, what Elisha got double from Elijah, it also came on kings as well to fulfill the mission. What was on Moses was so great, it went to many people. God wants it to double with each generation. So your prayer life is important so that whatever you have is doubled and increased for the next generation. So number one, start by thanking God for your child. Number two, use your authority in the name of Jesus and bind every plot the enemy has planned against your child. Number three, pray about the things you already know your child needs prayer concerning. Number four, consult the Holy Spirit about what to pray concerning your children. Number five, pray in the Spirit for your children. Go to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Your children shall grow up with faith in your praying. Knowing that if mama or dad prays about this, it's going to happen. Because if they see you praying and they see the results, they know you can pray. And if they keep watching you, they'll pray the same way. Think about the first prayers your child learns. You are telling them what to say. You are giving them words to pray. And from the words you give them develops their own prayer life. You're acting just like the Holy Spirit when it comes to praying in other tongues. He gives you the style and the manner and the utterance in which you speak. And if you continually speak that way, it develops and blossoms into a full-blown language. It's the same way with starting your children with a prayer life. Yes, you should pray together as a family, but you also want to teach your kids to pray as individuals. Because we don't want them to only hear from God when they're in the family setting. You want them to be in a place where they can hear from God even when they're as individuals. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me and saw my works 40 years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So number six, pray that your child's heart remains soft to hearing God's voice and obeying his word. Number six, pray that the ch your child's heart remains soft to hearing God's voice and obeying his word. Josiah was commended for having a tender or soft heart towards God. A soft heart towards God hears what he says and acts on it. A hard heart may not even hear him. Every time you obey God's voice, your heart becomes softer, and it's easier for you to hear the next time. Every time you ignore and disobey, your heart becomes harder, and it's harder for you to hear the next time. That one of the most dangerous things, one of the most damning things in this world is a hard heart. Because it can get so hard that you can't hear God warning you. Or it can get even past that to the most dangerous position and you become like Pharaoh. Whose heart is permanently hardened, who will never repent and then becomes an instrument of wrath. That God says, I'm going to still use you. 
but it's going to be to show people what happens when you don't do the right thing. That's one of the most dangerous things to have, a hard heart towards God. So you want to pray that your child always has a soft heart towards God, that they obey God's voice and his leading. This is something you pray. Because if they have a soft heart towards God, they'll seek God. One of the ways, it says that Israel didn't know his ways, but when he read the Psalms, it says Moses knew his ways, but Israel knew his acts. What is the difference? Moses drew near, Israel backed up. So you want to pray that your children are always drawing near to God, that they're always getting closer and closer with God, because if they do that, they will know God's ways, his method of operations, instead of just seeing what he does. Israel knew his acts, Israel saw his acts, and yet their hearts were still hard. If you walk close with God, your heart's not going to be hardened. It's soft. It's pliable. That you don't need God to yell to get your attention. He can whisper because you're walking so close. You can hear, hear the still, small voice. That you won't have, they won't have the story, so well, something told me not to do it. That wasn't a something, that was a someone. The Holy Spirit warns everybody. Not everyone hears and not everyone listens. So you want to pray that your child maintains a soft heart towards God. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. I encourage you to pray the Ephesians prayer, Ephesians 1, 3, Colossians 1, Philippians 1, for your children every day. But specifically in Ephesians 1, verse 17, it says, He's praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So number seven, pray that your child sees clearly God's will for their lives and are not blinded by darkness. Pray for your children's spiritual sight. They can see clearly what God wants. Their eyes are not covered in darkness. So all they see is darkness. So number seven, pray that your child sees clearly God's will for their lives and are not blinded by darkness. Pray that your child sees clearly God's will for their lives and are not blinded by darkness. Ephesians 3, 16 says, he's praying that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. What he should do? Pray that your children will be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, the thing is, even if you're, you don't have children yet or your children are still newborns, you pray this way consistently for them. Prayer is generational. Prayer can go out into the future and handle things. There may be some prayers you never receive the result of in your lifetime of Jesus tarries. But it doesn't mean your prayer is not still working. I remember about 12 years ago, I came to visit here for spring break, and Dr. Mark Barclay was preaching that Sunday. Prophet of God. Started ministering, started flowing in the Holy Ghost. Was sitting right over there. He called me up. He may have seen me before, but he didn't know my name. We haven't had a conversation, really. And he began to minister to me, and he began to answer questions I had thought about that week. Never said, never prayed, start addressing things I thought about. And then he said, it was like a great-great-grandmother who prayed that her bloodline would serve the Lord. And so, I never really heard anything about my great-great-grandmother before. And so I kept that in my heart. And one day, I think I was talking to Bishop about something years later, and he began to tell me the stories about my great-great-grandmother. It would have been my great-grandmother's mother, the one who I knew until she went home to be the Lord, and what her prayer life was like. And her prayers secured this whole family. So it went down through the line. So all these churches have been started Millions of people around the world have been affected because she prayed. She didn't get to see it in her lifetime. She's watching from heaven the result of her prayers. 
So even if Jesus tarries and you don't get to see the result of your praying in your lifetime, understand your prayer goes beyond your physical life. And it can handle things even when your body isn't here. There are some people that I am convinced they aren't even saved yet. But they live so wild lives, you wonder, how are you still alive? You look at certain people like, you've done so many drugs for decades, and you're still kicking. And I'm just convinced there was somebody in their bloodline that prayed, and the mercy of God is keeping them alive because someone in their generation knew God. Why? Does God do that? Yes. He carries things on for generations. He tells Solomon, this won't happen in your lifetime even because you screwed up because I made a promise to David. God would tell people in the Old Testament that I'm doing this because so-and-so served God. Your obedience to God in your prayer life affects your children and their children's children. And it keeps going on to be a blessing. So even if you don't see it in your lifetime and Jesus tarries knows your praying is not in vain. It still has power. Acts 4.29, we see the disciples praying, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. And when they have prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. So number eight is pray that your children would have boldness concerning the things of God. Pray that your children would have boldness concerning the things of God. To live for God in this day and time, people have to be bold. They can't be intimidated by the world and by other people. So they must have boldness. Pray that your children have boldness to stand for God. Number nine, pray that your children would be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Because if they have that strength from God, even when the enemy pushes, they're not going to give up and grow tired because they have supernatural strength that maintains them and sustains them. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 1 says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Number nine, pray for your children's protection and that they would be delivered from wicked and unreasonable people. Pray for your children's protection and that they would be delivered from wicked and unreasonable people. So that includes every day pleading the blood of Jesus over your child. That you lift your family up before the Lord. I plead the blood of Jesus over us, spirit, soul, and body over everything that concerns us, everything we have, everything we touch, everything that belongs to our peace. We draw the bloodline around that Satan cannot cross. We plead the blood of Jesus over every vehicle, mode of transportation we take today. We plead the blood bumper to bumper, side to side. No one will hit us and, no one, and we will hit nobody. You're pleading the blood. You're decreeing protection promises. You decree that Psalms 91 protection is there. And you pray that they will be delivered from wicked and unreasonable people. This includes praying out the wrong friends and influence in their lives. Someone may enter their life that's a wrong influence, sent by hell to bring your child the wrong way. There may be some who enter your child's influence because God needs you to reach them. But you will know the difference if you spend time praying. And if there's someone sent by hell, you can pray them out. So I just don't know why so-and-so doesn't talk to me anymore. That's okay, baby. Let's go get some food and hang out. Don't worry about it. You need to know how to pray people out your kids' lives. You need to know how to pray teachers out of your kids' school. Just because they're there doesn't mean they have to stay there. If you pray, they can be removed. Pray that they're delivered from wicked and unreasonable people in every manner and every form that comes. This is especially important after they leave their house because you don't know who they're hanging around. But your prayers can handle it. Your prayers can keep them from marrying the wrong person. 
The wrong person tries to approach, and whatever reason, it doesn't work. They can't figure out why that person won't talk to them because you've been praying in the Holy Ghost. Your prayer life has to be active for your children to receive everything God wants them to have. There's some battles kids are fighting because their parents didn't fight for them. There are some kids that go through things because their parents didn't handle it. That there are things called familiar spirits. Those are demons that follow family lines. And they study generations. They've been here for thousands and thousands of years. So this is, well, that messed up your great-great-grandfather. That messed up your great-grandpa. That messed up your dad. So that's probably going to mess you up. And if no one gets the victory concerning that thing, it keeps working down the line. But if you win the battle, it can't keep working on down the line. Somebody has to be the difference. Somebody has to break the generational curse. Generational curses are formed by patterns. Some people don't deal with certain diseases because it just runs in the family. Sometimes certain eating habits run in the family. It's like, oh, my blood pressure is bad. I got diabetes. That's because you ate the same things that your grandparents ate. I'm going to mess with you all a little bit longer. In our culture, especially in the South, we eat like we're still slaves. Just because that food was given by master, which was the worst, and our ancestors learned how to make it taste good so they could survive, and even though it caused hard health consequences, but that's all they had. But now we're generations later eating the same thing and wondering why we're not healthy and God promised healing. You are not slaves. Yes, the mercy of God preserved them, but don't eat like them. Some things aren't generational curses. Some things are just patterns. And we've been following the same pattern. You have to break the pattern. Just because your father and your grandfather were rolling stones, just because it goes all the way back to when they were slaves and they were breeders. Y'all are like, oh, I don't know, he's going to go there tonight. You can break the pattern. Because if you win the victory, your kids won't have to face that battle. They'll begin to walk in generational blessings. We're so conscious of generational curses. What about generational blessings? We've been teaching kids like, oh, you may have heart problems by the time you're 40, so you know you need to save up so that you don't have this or have that. How about we teach them about generational blessings? Like, you know, by the time you get this age, another million dollars is going to hit your life, so make sure you're prepared to manage it. But we're so conscious about generational curses because we keep teaching defeat. We keep living by the same patterns that have kept us bound for generations. We have to live a different way if we want our kids to experience fullness of the blessings of God. So even if you didn't see that example, you got the word. Set a new example. Set a new pattern. And if Jesus tarries on all your generations after you know the fullness of the blessing of God. And part of the way you win that victory is prayer. The other part is obeying God. When you read Genesis 48, you see Jacob blessed Joseph and his kids. And he begins to speak over their life, the blessing, and things that would happen good for them. So number 10, pray concerning and speak over your children's future. Pray concerning and speak over your children's future. Remove things out of their path before they can ever reach there. And if you spend time praying about things the Spirit wants you to pray about, they won't run into everything that you ran into. They won't run into everything that Satan has planned for them because you removed it by prayer. So pray about their future, which means you have to be future conscious yourself. 
which means you can't pray plan just for Friday nights. You have to plan for generations. Which even though if it means that I have to restrict what I do so that the future is better, I have enough self-control to do that. So number 10, pray concerning and speak over your children's future. This includes praying for their friends and their future spouse. I started praying for my daughter's friends and her future spouse before she was born. I started praying for all those who would be her close friends and praying over their parents that they would raise them up in the fear and admonition of God. So that even if I say something, she doesn't hear it, her friends will say the same thing because they were raised the same way. So I'm praying over those who will be future influence in her life. They may not be born yet. They may be here, but my prayers will take care of it to make sure she has good and godly friends that support her because I prayed decades ago. That even if I'm not there, my prayers will be there. Pray over their future spouses that they're raised in the things of God. And as your child gets old enough to understand, teach them to pray for their future spouse. Because if you don't pray for your future spouse, the first time you start praying for them is when you meet them, that's kind of too late. Because you got to deal with them. Think about it this way. It also helps you. Think about the future spouse, the future in law that you want to deal with for the rest of your life. That just motivates a lot of y'all to pray a lot longer. (laughs) Prayer is not just about now. It handles things in the future. Go to Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Let's begin to wrap this up. Romans 4, 17. We know this is a passage about the faith of Abraham. It says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations before him whom believed God who quickens the dead and call those things which be not as though they were. When you look at the word before, it means in the presence of or in the face of. So in the face of God, Abraham acted like God. How did he act like God? He said what God said. God called him Abraham, father of many nations, so he identified as Abraham, father of many nations. So in the presence of God, in your time of prayer for your children, you need to declare what God has said over your children. So number 11, in the presence of God, declare the promises of God over your children. Declare what God said. Me and my house shall serve the Lord. Declare the different promises you're believing for your children, which means you need to be in the Bible and know what it says that your children can have. Speak the blessing over them. And when you leave your time of prayer, make sure your words you say to them doesn't contradict what you said in prayer. Because you either believe what you prayed or what you say. So make sure your words always support what you've been praying. So that you don't short circuit your prayers. Which means even if they make a mistake, you don't call them stupid. The decision may have been stupid, but you let them know that was a stupid decision. But you're not stupid, so you need to make better decisions. Do not identify your child by their shortcomings. Because what their inner voice comes from how their parents labeled them. So do not label them their mistakes. Separate them from their mistakes. Aren't you so glad God doesn't label you by your mistakes? That you can come to him and repent and he doesn't label you and stuff? We have to have that same mentality when we pray for our kids. Colossians 4, 2 says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Philippians 4, 6 says, be careful for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Be worried for nothing. So don't worry about your kids. You think, well, I have to be a good parent if I, to worry about them. I have to worry to be a good parent. No, you don't. That just opens the door for fear. You can open the door to attacks from hell if you're always afraid for your children. Which means you may need to turn the news off. You see all these terrorist attacks, all these shootings, all these things happen, and you keep thinking, what if it was my child? What if it was my child? What if it was my child? You begin to think that, and then you become afraid, and so now you teach your child out of fear. 
No, don't run out across the street. I'm afraid you're going to get hit by a car. Just teach them don't run across the street. Teach them safety. Don't teach them fear. So although your intent was right, you just taught them fear. Teach them what is right, but not from the standpoint of fear. Teach them what is right because it's right. That even if you had to tell them about the consequences, this is what could happen, but I'm not afraid that's going to happen to you. So don't teach them fear. Don't teach them to be afraid. Don't teach them it's dangerous to be black. I'm going to be quiet on that one. Because they'll believe what you teach them. You can call the realities what they are. You can tell your daughters as you raise them. Some people won't treat you the right way because you're a woman. They may try to pay you less than what you deserve because you're a woman. Don't teach them fear. Tell them the reality. But you tell them you are the seed of Abraham. That even if people try to do that, God's got your back and you have the blessing and the blessing will make it right for you. Don't teach them fear. You can tell them about the realities of the world, but you can tell them how they're going to overcome them. If you have to take time to tell them about what they're going to face, tell them that they're going to be victorious. Tell them why they're going to be victorious and tell them how they're going to be victorious. I'm not telling you don't tell them about the world. I'm telling them that when they're old enough to understand, tell them about the world and tell them how to win. You don't have to hide the realities from them when they're of age to understand. We all understand you don't tell four-year-olds everything. There are some things they ain't ready to hear yet. But you can lay the foundation for what you tell them. And you build on that foundation as you raise them. So don't teach them fear. You can teach them the reality, but teach them how to overcome the reality. Teach them that they're more than conquerors through Christ that love them. Teach them that they can do all things through the anointed one anointing who gives them strength. Teach them that greater is he who is in them than he who is in the world. Teach them to overcome. Teach them to be champions. Teach them to be victorious. Teach them to have an expectation of victory. Stop telling them, well, bad things come in threes. If this happened, just get ready. Something else is about to happen. And if things have been good for so long, just watch out. The other shoe is about to drop. So we raise our kids with an expectation of trouble. An expectation of bad. That is not faith. Teach them to have an expectation of good. And even tell them when evil things come, you won't be moved by evil news. That's what Psalm 112 teaches. But you know light will rise up for you in darkness and that God has got your back. So you can teach them everything won't go your way. But just know you stick with God, God will make everything all right for you. That is what you teach them. That is what you assure them about. That's how you raise them up so they know what goes on in the world, but no, they don't have to be a part of it. They understand the concept of Goshen and how they are safe. When you look at Goshen, when he studied it out, it wasn't the worst part of the land. It was the best land because it's what Pharaoh and Joseph picked for Joseph's family. But even in Exodus, God made sure that land was taken care of when judgment fell on Egypt. So you teach them, yes, things were going on in the world, but you don't have to take part of it because you belong to Jesus. If you're going to tell them about the bad, tell them more about the good. So number 12, thank God that everything you prayed and declared concerning your children is coming to pass. Last point, number 12. Thank God that everything you prayed concerning your children is coming to pass. Other things to remember as I close. Never give up praying for your children. Never give up. If your child is currently living a life that is displeasing to God, do not define them by their sin. If your child is currently living a life that is displeasing to God, do not define them by their sin, especially if they're grown. Continue to live faithfully before God. Remember, prayers are generational and can work long after you are gone. And Psalm 112, verse 2, the New Living Translation says, talking about the upright, their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. That's what you declare over your kids. As we looked at Psalms before, it says children like arrows. So what are parents supposed to do? 
and you're praying and you're raising, you're preparing to launch them out into what God has called them to do. One of the things I confess over my daughter, an arrow of light shot into darkness to make a difference, to make an impact. I was reading a devotional this week, and I just added something. I'm praying for my kids now, praying for them every day. Father, raise them up to be the greatest woman and the greatest men of God in their generation. It's like, those are big prayers. Can it happen? Yeah, especially if you pray it. Pray big prayers for your children because you know you serve an even bigger God. Amen? Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. One of the things I want to encourage you to do is share this message, especially the one that's online with other parents and expecting parents you know. Share these notes. Children need the prayers of their parents. Amen? Before we do our altar call, let's pray for our kids right now. Go ahead and pray in the Holy Ghost. Father, I pray for every child, every grandchild represented here, every nephew, every niece, every godchild, every child they have jurisdiction over, whether they're in the home or whether they're grown. Yes, even the great-grandchildren represented here. We lift them up to you. We plead the blood of Jesus over them. We ask that you deliver them from wicked, unreasonable men, for all men have not faith. We pray that you'll keep them safe and deliver them from the wrong influences. We pray for the backslidden ones, those who don't know you, those who live far away from you. We pray that you send laborers across the path to minister the word to them in a way they can receive it. Saying, I bind you, you let these children go. You remove darkness from off their eyes. I command you to cease your assignment against them. You will not be successful. We bind you and curse your plots to fail. Father, we ask that each one of these children fulfill their will, your will for their life. That if they're young, they'll be saved and filled with the Holy Ghost at a young age. They'll know the call of God on their life as a young age. They'll never do a day of jail. They'll never do a day in sexual immorality. They'll never do a day of drugs, but they will fulfill the will of God in their lives. For those who have departed, Father, we pray that they'll return and that you restore them and put them in the place they're always meant to be. And for every broken relationship in this place, for every parent and grandparent grieving over the separation of them and their children for whatever ruined the relationship. Father, I ask for healing. I ask that you make it right. That, Father, for all these parents and who are believing for their child or their grandchild to contact them, I pray that you move upon their heart and cause them to contact them. I pray for a restoration of families, a healing of families tonight, and that you grant us wisdom and strength and revelation so that we can pray effectively for our children, pray effectively for our families, so we can see the fullness of the blessing of the Lord and our generation. We thank you for these things, receive these things, and we give you glory. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. Thank you once again for tuning in today. Now, if you enjoyed the message, go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube channel, download our Faith Christian Center Georgia app, as well as follow us on social media. And if you want to partner with us as a ministry, you can text FCCJ to 73256. That's FCCJ to 73256. And you can give financially support this ministry and what we do here in the metro Atlanta area as well as all around the world. Once again, thank you for tuning in today, and I'll see you next time.